Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? We are continuing our discussion about the benefits of eating real wheat with Sue Becker. Um, this is the first time I've ever done a two-part um, podcast, but there's just so much to talk about, and I know that you really enjoyed part one and are probably just hanging on a thread waiting for the rest of our discussion, so we will jump right back into it. We kind of left off last week with the history of um, the milling um, and the what we're missing from um, modern processed wheat and bread. And so we're just going to continue that discussion here. And so Sue, <laughs> it's just so fascinating to me because all of these things that you said that wheat is helpful for is what we've heard wheat will be, is causing us issue digestively, um, mentally, skin. I mean, every single thing that you said wheat is good for. Literally, you can open a book here on podcasts and it's in the holistic health world um, and say that, you know, it is the absolute opposite. So I'm going to just kind of let you jump off and start from there. I'm, I'm so glad to be here with you today. And, and that's exactly what I saw was the information I was reading was becoming very puzzling to me because every health issue that people were saying were being caused by wheat, we had actually seen healed by people making their own bread from freshly milled wheat. They were now eating more wheat than they ever had, more bread than they ever had, and they were making bread the mainstay of their diet. So this caused me to go, all right, there's got to be something else here. You know, we've seen bowel issues resolved, cholesterol, you know, resolved, blood sugar resolved, uh, skin issues resolved. So what is going on here? So I begin to study and really combat the myths that were out there. I have to know the truth and I have to know that I'm teaching the truth. And so the first myth that I realized I needed to bust was that wheat is not genetically modified in this country. Um, there is no commercially grown, sold wheat that is genetically modified in America. Um, in fact, farmers really resist the, the whole introduction of genetically modified wheat. Now, oh yes, the powers that be have developed some genetically modified seeds. Testing was done. It was stopped in 2005 and permission was never granted to grow it commercially. So that is a myth. The other myth is what gluten really, really is. Gluten is not in grains. It is something that is formed by grains. And it's been there since the beginning of time. And um, that's what we need to realize. Wheat is the only family of grains. And when I say wheat, the wheat family, that's wheat, our traditional wheat, rye, spelt, kamut, barley. Those are all in the wheat family. It is the only family of grains that has a unique sequence of proteins in the endosperm, the white flour portion, that when you wet those proteins, when you hydrate that flour, a stretchy substance known as gluten forms. Gluten is very important. The formation of this gluten is very important for um, the production of yeast leavened breads, whether that's commercial yeast which is a single organism of yeast, or it's a sourdough starter that's your lactic acid bacteria and your yeast organisms combined. Either one, 
gluten is invaluable. <laughs> it's necessary for these breads to rise because what happens is when the yeast feeds on the carbohydrates, when the yeast feeds on the carbohydrates in the dough or in the grain, um, if a byproduct of that feeding process is carbon dioxide gas. These stretchy strands of gluten trap that carbon dioxide and that's what enables the yeast bread to rise. So since the beginning of time, yeast is the chosen grain to, I mean, I'm sorry, wheat is the chosen grain to make yeast or sourdough leavened breads. It's just the way it is. You know, and all of this about, um, you know, wheat being genetically modified. So now that it has more gluten than it used to, that's just a misnomer. Um, yes, wheat has, wheat is not genetically modified. I want to stress that again. Yes, it has been hybridized to have better growing aspects and, and things like that. But uh, Dr. Cursada, he is the scientist for the USDA. He tested the protein content in over 100 years of seeds of wheat and found that there was no significant difference in the protein content or the, the content of those gluten-forming proteins. So that's something that we need to understand. And what affects protein content in wheat and other grains, for that matter, more than anything, is rainfall during the growing season. So this is just misinformation that's just not correct. So what is the problem? Well, when you strip away the bran and germ with all the vitamins, all the minerals, and all the fiber, and you eat the commercially processed white bread out there, it is those gluten-forming proteins and starch. And that's what causes the bowel issues, the constipation, the irritable bowel, the stomach aches from, from eating, eating the bread. So um, that's, that's some information that people need to realize. And I think that's why when people say, oh, I went gluten-free and I feel so much better. Well, yeah, you quit eating the commercially processed bread. And the other thing is that 100% whole grain bread that I talked about, um, commercially processed 100% whole grain bread that I mentioned in our last um, episode, is if you look at the label, and this is what I point out to people, the third or fourth ingredient of that 100% whole grain bread is gluten flour. Well, gluten, they, the food industry does not consider it flour even though it is the isolated proteins of the white flour that form gluten. So now they've added massive amounts of pure gluten-forming protein flour to that 100% whole grain bread, and that's, that's causing issues. God never intended us to eat the endosperm, the white flour, without the bran and the germ and the oils and all the vitamins, nutrients, and enzymes to help us break it down. So, and again, the missing fiber is the key. Um, I just did an interview for my podcast, Sue's Healthy Minutes, um, of a man that said he, he had significant stomach and bowel issues. He said, my number one um, important <laughs> Uh, thing that I information that I had to find out when I go on a construction job is where the bathrooms were. And he was a superintendent over these, and he said he would eat bread from the store and he would double over with cramps. And he just started milling in uh, December, milling his own bread. And he said grains. And he said for three days after I found you and found out about this, 
I ate nothing but this bread. And, and he said, it changed my life. And my employee, when he was telling her, he said, she said, well, so did it help you? And he goes, no, this bread didn't help me. It fixed it. It fixed the problem that no gastroenterologist had ever been able to fix for, for 10 years or, or, or more and struggle with pain. And we, we hear this regularly. So I want to encourage people that if you think, <laughs> hmm, how do I say this? That I encourage you to do some digging and do some research on yourself. Now, for yourself. Now, there is true celiac disease. That is real. Less than 1% of Americans have true genetic celiac disease. It's a genetic disease. You're born with it, and you will never be able to eat wheat, whether it's freshly milled or not, um, because you cannot digest the amino acid components in wheat, gliadin and glutenin, particularly the gliadin, and those are the gluten-forming proteins. You, you can't digest gliadin. You're genetically born that way, and no amount of freshly milled flour, is it, it's not your friend, and you can't do it. But what is being diagnosed as celiac disease today is not true genetic celiac disease. You have all the symptoms, but it's not real. It's not true genetic celiac disease. So just like this man or this, I'll tell you another story, this young girl um, doubled over in pain every time she ate bread or anything with gluten in it, anything made from wheat. My son had a bakery at the time that we no longer have the bakery, but he made a gluten-free bread and it was the best gluten-free bread that I've ever tasted. But, you know, the little girl, she was 12 years old. She, she just wanted a soft bread to make a sandwich. My son explained to her exactly what I've explained to you today. And he said, if she's not a true celiac, she may be able to tolerate, you know, and eat this bread. And the, the mother said, you know, she just wants a sandwich. And um, she said, I'm going to try it. But she said, if she even gets any gluten, she, which that's what she thought of gluten, she doubles over in pain, she throws up, it's, it's horrible. Well, my son sold the bread at a farmer's market, and that's where he met the mom and the little girl. And he did it every Saturday. The mom bought the bread. The little girl came running up to my son's table booth at the farmer's market the very next week. Mr. Dave, Mr. Dave, I love your bread. I had a sandwich every day and I had no stomach ache and no throwing up. I love your bread. And from that day on until he closed the bakery, that young girl stood behind his booth with him and sold his bread for him and told her story. So I just want to encourage people. I hope this encourages you to know if you're not a true genetic celiac, then chances are, some of your issues may be the commercially processed bread that's in our stores and that you may be able to find great relief um, when you begin to mill your own grains, even, even the wheat. And um, we have heard hundreds of testimonies in the last 10 years, not just people saying they can tolerate the wheat and this bread, but that it resolves health issues that they were seeing that they, they thought had a, that were attributed to gluten and that was not the case so genetic celiac disease like i said is serious you will never be able to eat the wheat but you're you're born with it you're typically diagnosed by the time you're seven years old seven to ten somewhere in there and it causes debilitating 
problem. So, um, but what is being diagnosed as celiac or even a gluten sensitivity? I, I question that. Um, and I, I question that not to be arrogant or anything like that, but to tell people there is hope for you. Um, you don't have to be on this restrictive a diet and not only could you maybe enjoy bread, but you might see your health issues resolve just like this, this elderly gentleman. And um, I, I typically ask people, have you always had a problem with eating bread since you were very young? And if the answer is no, if the answer is this started in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, then chances are you're not a genetic celiac and milling your whole grain and making your bread may be the best thing you could ever do for you and your family. Wow. I've never heard it put like that, like that. Um, it's that possibly people are being, would you say, mis misdiagnosed as celiac when they're not? Yeah. That, well, they have the symptoms. You know, if you're a celiac and well, yeah, if you can't digest a protein, um, what that's, what's going to happen there is get, when it gets to your, through your digestive system, it lays down the villi in your, in your gut, which causes the leaky gut, which causes the irritable bowel syndrome, which causes the chronic diarrhea, bleeding bowels. These are all symptoms of this. Well, a true celiac, that's usually what, um, um, initiates, Hey, something's wrong. I've got these debilitating issues and they, and they test for it. And the thing is that when I was growing up, you never heard of celiac disease and now they're more informed and they're testing for it. So that's why we're seeing it more and more. But in that 30 year old that's eaten bread all their life and never had these debilitating issues, but now they have the same symptoms so, so much of our medicine is uh, medical diagnoses are based on symptoms. And I understand that they scope them and they say, yeah, your villi is laid down. you got all this irritation in your gut. So they're diagnosed with celiac disease because it's the same symptoms, but it's not true genetic celiac disease. And after several years of studying this and going, what, what is going on here? I finally came across an article and I, I, I think I have the link for it. I don't know. I'll have to try to find it, but it was called reversing non-genetic celiac disease. And that was like, yes, this is, this is it. Non-genetic celiac disease can be reversed with guess what? Whole grains and probiotics to clean up the villi, to clean up the mess. So, um, this is, this is just exciting to me. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, years ago, I had testimony of a lady. Um, I used to say she was an elderly lady and cause her daughter was the customer of ours, but now I'm the age of that elderly lady. <laughs> so that young lady, um, this girl's mother, uh, had debilitating issues, bleeding bowels, severe irritation, severe chronic diarrhea, could not leave her house, could not um, and she was 65 years old, could not sleep through the night, would get up in the night five times to go to the bathroom. Um, again, kind of like the man that I just interviewed, had to know where bathrooms were, but really had become homebound because she couldn't leave her home. 
Um, so this, this customer of ours, a young girl, her and her husband were missionaries. They were here on furlough and she was going to visit her mom and she came in the store and she said, this, you know, this is horrible. My mom is bleeding bowels. She's been on steroids for 10 years. You can't, you're not supposed to be on steroids that long. And they've tried to take her off, but she has, you know, just has these horrible flare ups and bleeding bowels. And so they told her that maybe she should go gluten-free. This was kind of the beginning of the gluten-free craze. And, um, so our ministry, you know, she said, my mom's on limited income. We're missionaries. And I said, listen, our ministry will help you. You know, we'll get your mom a meal and some grain. And if she said, we're going to visit, so we'll take it to her and I'll teach my mom how to do this. So she first was like, well, they told her to go gluten-free. But then the more we talked, she goes, I don't know how to do gluten-free. Let's just give me a bucket of red wheat. I just want some hard red wheat. I'm just going to make bread out of that. So she takes the wheat and the mill to her mom and stays with them for two weeks. She wrote me to say that in five days, her mom was sleeping through the night. By the end of the two weeks, everything was reversed. Her mom no longer had bleeding bowels. Her mom no longer had chronic diarrhea. Her mom had her life back. Her mom and her dad were out working in the yard. They could now go wherever they wanted to do and do whatever they wanted to do. So I, I hope this encourages people um, to know that it could be the answer, not the cause. You know, another mom heard me share on what gluten actually is, and they had put her son on gluten-free diet, and he was on all kinds of medications, a young boy. And she said, I heard you explain what gluten is. And so I bought a mill and started milling his grain. She goes, milling my grain. And not only did it correct those issues, but he's now off of all of his medication. And, um, and the same with this older gentleman that I just interviewed, he goes, my cholesterol dropped, my blood pressure's corrected. I now I'm not on no medication. And yet I was on all this stuff. And, um, so that is my heart, um, not to debunk and prove that I'm wrong and just say, Burr, you're probably not celiac, but to, to give you hope and encouragement that you could reverse all of this. Yeah. So it, I mean, it makes, it sounds like, you know, it's not, not necessarily that when wheat was hybridized, the gluten protein is bigger or more pronounced is it's that the processing of it almost, almost makes it like a, and the addition of it, it sounds like in the breads, it's like a naked gluten almost where you've just got like this, this gluten and starch without all of the other protective yeah. things around it. And that is what is making it so much more pronounced um, for people. Would that be kind of an accurate way to describe it? That is, let me explain something about digestion. Okay, so during digestion, carbohydrate digestion begins in your mouth. When you chew your food, your saliva contains um, an enzyme called amylase and it very quickly begins to break down the carbohydrates in your food. And um, you, that's why if you chew your food it, longer, it'll start tasting sweeter. So you want to chew your food because carbohydrate digestion begins there. When you swallow that food and it goes into your stomach, that is where carbohydrate digestion virtually ends. Protein digestion begins. Protein digestion needs an acid environment. So our, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Our stomach lining has these cells that produce acid 
to um, enable the protein uh, digestive enzymes to work. It also, because we're fearfully and wonderfully made and God knew what he was doing, we have these cells that produce mucus to protect our stomach lining from this production of acid. So protein digestion can take place in the stomach and these protein um, digestive enzymes can work. Protein and then so once this is all churned up in our stomach, the chyme as it's called, passes through out of the stomach into the small intestines where then enzymes from the pancreas and other digestive enzymes are mixed with our food where carbohydrate and fat digestion continues and then gets dumped into the large intestine the remains to be eliminated through our bowel. But here's the point I want to make. Do you know what the number one uh, medication taken in America today is? One of the number one, I shouldn't say the number one. It's antacids. Yeah, an acid blocker. <laughs> exactly. It, uh -huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so could perhaps there be another instigator in this whole issue of not being able to break down proteins. I want to read a quote, if I can, from, um, he's a well-known doctor. I like some of what he says, but I want to read this to you, and I want you to see the wrong conclusions that we are being given to the information that's presented. So listen carefully, and y'all are intelligent listeners, I know. So listen carefully to this. Okay, so this is a quote. Damage to the gastrointestinal tract from the overuse of antibiotics, anti-inflammatory drugs like Advil or Aleve, how many people live on those, and acid-blocking drugs like Prilosec or Nexium, combined with our low-fiber and high-sugar diet leads to the development of celiac disease and gluten intolerance or sensitivity and the resultant inflammation. All right, did everybody catch that? I absolutely agree. This is the problem. This is the cause. Listen to the next conclusion. That is why the elimination of gluten can be a powerful way to prevent and reverse this and many other chronic diseases. The biggest problem is wheat. I did not hear wheat anywhere in that lineup of what causes this issue. We've got to understand that allergic foods don't, they, they cause the symptom, not the problem. Uh, antibiotics, anti-inflammatory drugs like Advil and Aleve, how, how popular are those that we're taking that are destroying our gut lining? Acid-blocking drugs, I just explained that to you, combined with our low fiber, the bread that's out there in the store, it's been stripped of the fiber and all the nutrients by taking away the bran and germ. If, if you buy whole grain and some are put back, okay. But then most of them are filled with sugar, right? This leads to the development of celiac disease. This doctor says this. Nowhere does he say that we cause the problem. So that's what I want to encourage people. So what's the answer? Freshly grind your whole grain so that you don't have to take so many antibiotics. You know, our family, 25 years raising nine children, we went to a doctor's 
three times. One was an ingrown toenail. Won't do that again. Two were sickness that required antibiotics. 25 years of raising nine children. That's huge. So the use of antibiotics, we need to try to get that eliminated or at least down to a minimum. And like I already stated, these acid blocking drugs like Prilosec and Nexium, they're causing problems with our digestive system. And a true allergy, the definition of a true allergy is the inability to digest a protein component, if it's a food allergy, a protein component of that food. An intolerance can be something else like sugar, like a lactose intolerance, something like that. But a true allergy, why are there so many allergies in America? Now I've got lots of thoughts in my mind of why there are so many, but I go to Haiti, one of the poorest countries in the Western, the poorest country in the Western hemisphere. We've helped start a bakery there. We've take, we're feeding 800 to 1200 kids a day, freshly milled bread. No one ever asked us if it was gluten-free. We smother it with peanut butter. No one says they have a peanut allergy there. I mean, these are things we need to think about what is happening in this country that's causing the problem. And I'm telling you, the adverse reactions we're getting from food are, are I mean, how, how do I want to say that? The food causes the symptom, not necessarily the problem, if it's real food. Do you understand what I'm saying? So wheat may cause a reaction, but it didn't cause the problem. I mean, did you hear that? Antibiotics, Prilosec, Nexium, Advil, Aleve cause these issues. Then why is the biggest problem wheat, the major source of gluten? That that didn't cause the problem. Yeah. No, it's... Um... I think that, and we've talked, I've talked to my audience a lot here that, you know, oftentimes it's not the food, it's the engine of the body that needs help. And if we, you know, if we don't have enough stomach acid, if we don't have the digestive enzymes, you know, if our gut bacteria has been compromised and whose hasn't in this day and age, um, all of those things compromise the engine of our body's ability to process to process food. And I think you're right. And that was part of what made me also made me question and made me open to, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm like, I have done a lot of gut work over the years. I have worked at this. I have, you know, increased my stomach acid. I have, you know, worked on my digestive enzymes. I have worked on, um, you know, my gut bacteria. And, and I think that's so much of, you know, the gut bacteria, so much of what, um, is at play here. And that everyone's, you know, with all the antibiotics and everything that you talked about, our body's just so compromised, it's hard to digest these things. And so, you know, 20 years ago, no, I didn't have any of those things in place. You know, my gut was an absolute wreck. And so was my mom's. Now, I've told people here, like, I just thought that that this was our cross to bear, like, on my mom's side of the family. Nobody poops. It's like, you know, just total digestive mayhem. And then on my dad's side of the family, there's a genetic skin condition. And I was, you know, which by the way, doctors told me they couldn't do anything about and that I, you know, reversed by eating, you know, real food, changing my diet. But, you know, I always thought, oh, I'm just, you know, that's just our lot. We're just people that, you know, can't poop and have bad skin. And that's all there is to it until I found that changing your diet can make all the difference. And so, 
Um, I think that is really important for people to consider is that once you've really, you know, taken care of your gut and maybe, maybe this is part of it. I mean, it's so, it's so funny to sit here and say, okay, instead of going gluten-free, do the 100% opposite and eat, <laughs> eat wheat bread, you know, mill yeah. your own yeah. um, wheat and make yeah. this bread. And that could be the answer. I mean, it's people are going to be like, okay, here we go. Once again, there's all this conflicting, you know, advice, but I think we have to, you know, take all these things into context. Yeah. Yeah. I I know I heard popular doctor that actually promoted, actually, I think started the whole gluten-free anti-grain propaganda that's out there. I heard him on, uh, you know, the educational channel. And he said that wheat is the most toxic poison that we're putting in our mouth. And I'm like, what? You know, and I, I think it, it saddens me that people can't differentiate between wheat, the real whole grain that I pick up out of my bucket and mill into flour, and the stuff that's in the store. That's not, it, it's made from wheat, but that's not wheat. That's not at all the same thing. And in truth, um, one of the things that's out there is that obesity, you know, began to rise and direct correlation with our consumption of wheat. The more and more wheat we eat, the fatter we've gotten. Well, I hate to tell you, our wheat consumptions actually decreased over 100 pounds per person per year in the last 100 years. Prior to the 1900s, the average person ate 225 pounds per person per year of wheat. And yet by... Uh, 2007, I mean, by 1970, it hit an all-time low because of what? The whole low-carb, high-protein diets that just hit the scene. And paleo, keto, all of these diets, they're just renaming the high-protein, low-carb diet, Dr. Atkins and all of those things. By 2011, the last census that I saw, the average American ate 132 pounds of wheat per year from 225 to 132. So we're eating less wheat than we used to eat. And this is what changed though. In the 1900s, 90% of flour was consumed and used at home. Only 10% was used commercially. 1945, it dropped to 60% used at home, 40 used commercially. By 1990, 10% of flour was used at home 90% commercially. What does that tell you? We took bread making out of the home, just like I shared in the last episode. We let somebody take our millstone and we've been dying ever since and getting fatter and sicker and people are trying to figure out why. Telling you, the bread is, is a big key. Jesus compared himself to bread for a reason. I'm often asked, people say, how much of this bread do I need to eat? And I'm like, well, Jesus compared himself to bread. How much bread does, how much Jesus do you need? And they, <laughs> they laugh. But um, <laughs> this gentleman that I just interviewed that saw such a drastic change in three or four days, I mean, debilitating in three or four days, or the woman that, you know, shared. And these are just a few of the testimonies that people have shared with us um, or that I, I think of sharing, you know. I, I said, how much bread do you eat? He goes, I eat bread at every meal, every meal. He said, breakfast, I would have a slice of bread. Lunchtime, he said, if I ate lunch, I would eat a sandwich with two slices of bread at home, at dinner, whatever I ate, I, I ate bread with it. And um, I just think we need to be eating more bread 
not less. And, you know, throughout history and even today, most of the world lives off of grains and beans, very little meat. I mean, when I go to Haiti, they eat rice and, as my husband says, they eat rice and beans for breakfast and beans and rice for lunch, you know, or for dinner. They eat two meals a day. So it's grains and beans, grains and beans. Every culture has bread throughout history. And, um, and when bread was rationed or, or um, stripped of its nutrients, that's when people started getting sick. Yeah, a couple of things there. So I think also to coincide with the fact that people, you know, stopped milling their own wheat or, or getting freshly milled wheat and baking bread. Also in the early 1900s, we saw the um, the introduction and the rise of um, processed seed oils. So I think that's yeah. very problematic, you know, your vegetable oil, canola oil, all, all these things. And I think those two things have probably been uh, the most impactful in a negative way on health. Um, and then, and so some people are probably listening because I, I, I do love me a high protein diet. So I have to say, but here's what I have. Oh often no, thought. I do I, too. I love meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, don't get me wrong. I, I, Yes. But you know, but I've thought I've, I've shared this with my um, with my membership group, the Christian Health Club, and I've talked about this. You know, because I I do recommend people eat a, a lot of meat to get protein. But I do I think biblical people ate as much protein as I recommend? No, I don't. But I think that they were able to get protein get a lot of the, the protein from the bread you know from their their wheat bread like yeah. you said it's got all the amino acids except for lysine and i think you know most definitely they had a different composition of gut bacteria back then i think their yes. digestive systems yes. were not burdened with all the things that we have today they would have been able to process extract proteins use amino acids so much more efficiently yeah. than we do today and i really think that has um, a lot yeah. to do with it. And so I think, you know, if we lived in biblical times, no, we would not be eating as much yeah. meat as, um, maybe I do today or recommend, but I think, you know, that is why here's the other thing that surprised me. You know, I was really nervous about eating, eating the, the bread and wheat because I tend towards constipation. You know, that was one of my talk about clogging me up. And so yeah. I was really worried that that was going to be an issue and it wasn't. Um, it wasn't at all in, but if I eat a big plate of vegetables, it constipates me, which I think is interesting. And I, another thing I, I tell people is I don't think the biblical people were eating ginormous salads. They weren't having big plates of Brussels sprouts and cauliflower. They didn't have the av availability of, you know, any fruit or any vegetable at any time of the year, like we do today right? They yeah. ate regionally, seasonally, what was available. If there was fruit available, that's what would they have had. But the bread would have been a mainstay of their meal. It would have provided the fiber and a lot of this nutrition. And so, um, I think, yeah. you know, people don't that's think exactly about right. it that way. Right. When, and when Abraham fed the angels, when they came to tell him that Sarah would have a baby, he said, quick, you know, kill the calf, make some bread. And he fed him, um, yogurt and, um, bread and meat. And, um, I, I, I think you're absolutely correct there. Uh, in fact, 
in America, you know, I just told you, shared with you how much our grain consumption has gone down. Meat consumption is actually up by 47 pounds per person per year. Sugar up 52 pounds per person per year. So I absolutely agree. You know, when they sent reinforcements to David's um, army of, of men in the Bible, it was bread, so many loaves of bread, so many bushels of grain and cheese. They had milk, cheese, yogurt bread that was their mainstay and um uh, you know and meat was meat was there but i i agree and that's what i think we need to that's what kind of that's why i started questioning all this i'm like around the world other countries don't eat meat like we do and um and i agree i i do like my meat um not as much as as you're young i can tell um i'm older and a grandma and i don't need you know i'm not building the muscle that i used to i don't need quite as much protein as i used to um but uh i i, I do enjoy my meat but I, oh i know what i wanted to tell you one more story or another story of a testimony a fellow would come to my uh seminars when i used to speak a lot more out in churches and things like that and he had heard of me and he came and he was from Ethiopia and he and his wife both were from Ethiopia and they did not like the American bread. So they just didn't eat it. And he came up to me after my talk on constipation and I explained everything. And he said, my wife is a vegetarian. She eats all fruits and vegetables, but she's constipated. And he said, do you think this bread will help? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Well, he heard me, he's heard me speak that night, got a meal and got grain and got started. Well, then my kids started calling him my groupie. He started going kind of everywhere I would speak around the area locally. And um, within a month, um, he sent me his blood work that his cholesterol had dropped 99 points in a month. But also he came up to me and he said, my wife's constipation totally gone. She can now go to the bathroom and she was eating fruits and vegetables. So I thought that was interesting um, that you mentioned that, that if you eat a plate of vegetables, it just doesn't have the insoluble fiber to absorb the water in our bowels, bulk up our stool and help us eliminate um, like we're supposed to. The fruits and vegetables have soluble fiber, which helps soften our stools, but it doesn't help us with the bulking up, the swelling of the fecal material, putting pressure on the walls of our colon and stimulating our colon to eliminate. That's that's how grain fiber um, affects our constipation and, and, it, and it's critical. Uh, we, yeah, it's just hard to get that without having grains as a mainstay of your diet. I think, and I've never been against grains. Um, I think that properly preparing them, that's where, you know, I, I was really trained um, with uh, Weston A. Price is kind of, you know, one of the people that yeah. we would follow. And, and just that, you know, how ancient cultures just, they, they ate grains, they, they ate meat, they ate vegetables, they ate fruit, grains, they ate all these things, but they properly prepared the grains. So, you know, soaking your beans, soaking your oats, all of these things, helping kind of break down some of those, um, those digestive kind of blockers and, um, and those kinds of things that, um, create problems. And we've gotten away from that. It's just kind of like with the wheat, we skip steps, you know, we're, we're skipping steps. It's all convenient. We've changed about um, the grains and the way that we prepare them and not so much that it's, that it's just the grains, you know, and, but there's a lot of things, you know, again, yeah. our bodies are very compromised in the way that we can um, break things down. There's a, a lot of work to be done there as well. But 
as you said, I, I, I think it's pretty fascinating that somebody could um, have all these issues and then change, make this bread and it really be such a game changer. Changes. Yeah. Yes. That's been so encouraging to me. And like I said, I just continue to study. I learn something new just about every day because I read so much and study so much. And when someone tells me the bread helped this, I, I study it and I'm like, how is that possible? And um, it's just been a really, really exciting journey and one that just keeps me going because I know it's real. And um, it just, you know, and the whole myth about, oh, if I eat this bread, it's going to make me fat. Nope. Studies over time have shown that um, people that eat more whole grains are 49% less likely to be overweight than people who don't eat or eat less whole grains. So, you know, that's, again, eating it real. Does the stuff in the store make you overweight? Yes, I believe that's part of the obesity um, crisis that we're seeing in our country. When food is, and you know, and bread was the first thing taken out of their home, one of the first commercially processed foods. And now we've been at it more than 100 years now, about 120 years. And like you said, then the oils, then the fruits and vegetables, then the juice, then the milk, then the this, then the that. And now what we're offered up in the store is, is just, just devoid of what God put there and intended to, to give us our, give our bodies the food, the nutrients that we need. Yeah, it's a far cry from real food the way God made it. One thing I always say about dairy is, you know, God did not make cows with low-fat udders. <laughs> we should not be, no, you know. No, or pasteurized milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, you know, and, you know, in Isaiah 7, I think it's 7, 14, maybe 15. I can't remember now. I don't have the, um, it says, it's a prophecy about Jesus. And it says, curds and honey did he eat until he could distinguish between good and evil. And um, curds are yogurt. And he, and I always laugh. And I said, he didn't like unsweetened yogurt either. He ate it with honey <laughs> because honey is nourishing, not the processed pasteurized stuff you buy in the store, but it's nourishing to our body. And you know what? A lot of people don't realize is fruits and vegetables and even honey have amino acids, the building blocks of protein. No, they may not be a complete protein, but they still give us amino acids. So you're exactly right with, by saying we can get these amino acids and the protein we need from grains and beans. Grains and beans together make a complete protein. And um, who knew? You think uh, south of the border, you know, Latin American countries, they know that uh, beans and cornbread make a complete protein or in other countries rice and beans make a complete protein so you know throughout history we've seen that we've seen that so much so yeah um i would love for you to share i, I don't know this is going way back to you mentioned it in the the first episode but i've heard you speak about it is the the wart thing i, I, I do want you to share about the, the wart story <laughs> So before bread, uh, I, I uh, kind of, that's my timetable before bread and after bread. So before bread, um, one of my oldest daughter started getting warts. She was about three years old and um, I took her to the doctor because, you know, I, I never had had warts in my family, but anyway, so I took her to the doctor and he said, don't worry about it. Warts are a manifestation of a viral infection. They're caused by a virus. They'll, they'll run its course and go away. Well, two years go by. She still has the warts. They've now spread all over and she has a large one on her heel. To make this whole month, six months or so journey short, 
we go to the doctor. He sends us to a specialist. I fully intended we were going to go in that doctor's office and come out without the warts. And, um, but no, he sent me home with remedies and a little acid that we were to drop on the warts that burned her little five-year-old skin. So that didn't work. And anyway, long process of going back and forth to the doctor, still have warts, multiple tries of getting this stuff medicine on there to get rid of the warts. Finally, he's like, well, we'll just have to burn them off or take them off. But she's so distraught and scared that we're going to put her to sleep. And I'm like, yeah, we're not going to do that today. I'm going home. Well, in this interim, my three-year-old son, her next, my next youngest, my next child, um, her younger brother started getting warts too, because the virus is contagious. And so he started getting warts. Well, I'll never forget on that drive home that day, I remembered a sentence. I, I just saw it in my mind sentence in a book that I had read. Um, actually, it was one of Adele Davis's books on vitamin E. And uh, it said, vitamin E has been known to get rid of warts. So I came home and I was like, I had vitamin E because I had begun taking vitamin E for female issues because prior to having children, I never had monthly cycles. And I had read in Adele Davis's book that probably needed vitamin E and I started having monthly cycles and then I could get pregnant. Anyway, that's a whole nother story, but make a long story short. I had vitamin E cause I took it all the time, came home, started giving my daughter and my son vitamin E. And within two weeks, I think it was my son's um, warts were gone cause he had just started getting them. It took about three or four weeks for Ashley's, my oldest daughters to go away, but they went completely away with vitamin E supplements. So time goes on. My third child was born. He began to get warts around three years old. I haven't figured out the three-year-old thing or where they were getting them anyway. So I was like, fine, I know what to do. Um, give him vitamin E supplements. Well, he could not swallow the capsule. I don't know why, because they're little tiny gelatin capsules. I'm like, Joshua, just swallow the thing. And he couldn't. Well, by the time Joshua was three, I had two younger children. I had three children, three years there. So warts weren't huge on my priority list. And this was before bread. But Joshua turned five, so two years go by, warts all over his hand, one about to push his fingernail off, it had gotten so big. This is when the bread came into our home, the mill came into our home. And I began to mill our wheat and make all of our own bread. And I learned that wheat is the richest food source of vitamin E, but only when it's freshly milled and doesn't have the germs stripped away. So I didn't really, again, think that much about it, but some point in that month, I looked down at Joshua's hands and his work was all gone. So I knew it was the bread, the richest food source of vitamin E because I had seen what vitamin E did. So I pulled out my biochemistry books and I'm like, how does vitamin E do this? And I learned that vitamin E protects the integrity of every cell in our body. It keeps free radicals and oxidation from breaking down um, our, the, like I said, the integrity of our cell membranes, if you want to call them that. And um, a virus, the way it works is when it invades your body, the only way it can reproduce, unlike bacteria that can just reproduce on their own, virus has to invade your cell and use your cell's genetic makeup to reproduce. So when the integrity of our cells are weakened because of a lack of vitamin E and oxidation can take place more readily, we're more susceptible to invasion of viruses. And this is why I think one of the reasons I think we saw less colds and flus and things, sickness over the years, but also 
why I believe my son's warts went away is because he was now fighting that virus and it could no longer invade his cells. So it was funny. I would, I began to share and teach, you know, that this was one of my testimonies. When I spoke, I'm like constipation gone, sugar cravings gone, sinus congestion gone. And one of my kids warts went away. And so I began to teach this and share this. The next thing I know, we have hundreds, hundreds of wart stories. And um, some people laughed at me and, and were like, you know, that sounds so hokey. But I studied it and saw how physiologically, biochemically it works. It's protecting the integrity of every cell in our body and keeping us and making us less susceptible to viral invasion. And um, one of the most exciting testimonies, and I, there's a couple I could share here, but um, in the early days, like I said, I shared my wart stories and somebody came up to me one time and he said, you know, you really shouldn't share that wart stuff. You know, your other, your other stuff is pretty scientific, but I wouldn't share the wart story. It kind of blows your credibility. So I was about to, I was speaking at an event in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was about to, my workshop was going to start in about 15 minutes. And I decided, okay, I'm not going to share the wart stuff if that blows my credibility scientifically. But 15 minutes before I was to go in, a woman walks up to my booth that had heard me speak the year before, had taken a CD that we had offered or a recording of the workshop home to her husband. And she said, I'm here to tell you. My husband's a medical doctor. He listened to your workshop and he just wanted me to tell you that everything you're sharing is scientifically and medically correct. And it would have had the wart story on it because that was before I decided not to share. And she said, but I have a message that I want to share for you. She goes, my, with you, she goes, my very best friend came to me, had a wart, huge wart on her thumb and, uh, gone to doctor after doctor to no avail, couldn't get rid of the wart. And just as a friend, you know, they basically just said, just live with it. And I, I can't even imagine what the wart was like. She said, Sue, it was almost like a second appendage. It was so large on her thumb. And as a friend, she asked my husband and he said, I don't know what to tell you, live with the wart. Well, she said, I had just baked bread that day. And so I looked at my friend and I said, well, I heard this lady speak how this bread got rid of her kids' warts and other people's warts. And she goes, you know, hey, is it, it, you can have my bread. And uh, I always laugh and said, well, who would turn down, uh, you know, a homemade loaf of bread? And so she said, Sue, she took the bread home and called me ecstatic. Before she finished the first loaf of bread, the wart was going away. And by the time she finished the second loaf of bread, the wart was completely gone. Uh, yeah, I went in my workshop and I told my wart story and I continue to tell it th to this day. I was speaking at another event in Richmond, Virginia. You know, these events, it's a workshop. You're only given 45 minutes to share six hours worth of information. So I have to talk very quickly and kind of pray and decide what I'm going to share. Well, that day I almost skipped the wart story, but I just stopped and I decided, nope, I'm going to share the wart story. I condensed it so it was short. And, um, finished my talk and actually for the first time ever finished my talk with a few minutes to spare. Usually I'm running over and trying to get out of there to make room for the next speaker. And, um, but I finished a few minutes early, just kind of came to a stopping point and I did something I've never done before. I asked if people had any questions or anything they wanted to share. Two people shared their wart stories with me. And um, I packed up my stuff and walked out of the room and there was a mom standing outside the door waiting for me. She was walking past my workshop to go to another workshop, and she said the Lord told her to go into my room. She said she had no idea what my message was about. 
And she said, but God sent me there. She said, my 17 year old daughter has over 500 warts. She's had them since she was 12. We burned them all off at one point. They all came back, right? Cause it's a virus. You just got rid of the symptom. And uh, she said they currently, she's been on all kinds of medication. They currently have her own ulcer medication thinking maybe it's stress related. And she said, I know God sent me in this room to hear your story. And she said, because I've been praying, God send me an answer. She followed me back to our booth. It was at a convention and where we were making bread and take, you know, set, um, sharing samples. She tasted the bread and she said, how much is the mill? At that time, it was $250. This was a number of years ago. And uh, she said, you know what? I've paid more than that for one prescription medication that didn't work and no one in our family could eat. So she said, I like to cook. We have to eat. What have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? She purchased the mill and everything she needed to begin making her bread. She called me in two and a half weeks, she said at two weeks of eating the bread, her daughter started itching and screaming, going, mom, what have you done to me now? But in two and a half weeks, every wart on that child's body was gone. Two and a half weeks. And, you know, when I hear these stories, it first it was like, oh, that's great. Warts are gone. But then it hit me a few years ago. If this bread the richest food source of vitamin E needed by every cell of our body can protect us from a virus that causes warts that we've had for five, six, seven, ten years, who knows how long. What other viruses can it protect us from? And this, I think, is very critical information in the time that we're living in. Doesn't mean that you'll never ever get sick, but it should mean that you're protected. Uh, more readily and can fight these viruses better. And so in that way, it also helps your immune system by just protecting the integrity of every cell in your body from being more susceptible to the invasion of virus. So that's my wart story. And I tell you, we have hundreds. It is probably the number one uh, testimony we hear, but 500 warts that she had for over five years in two and a half weeks. That's amazing. And it's more than just an ugly uh, manifestation on your skin. It is a virus and um, God's perfect provision. It just, it never ceases to amaze me. That is amazing. And I'm 100% catching your drift on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, I yeah. do. Oh my gosh. Well, Sue, I could, I really could keep you here all day, um, talking to you, but the wonderful news is, is that you do have, um, a lot of YouTube videos. I know cause I binged on all of them. <laughs> so, um, you yes, have a lot of YouTube yes. videos that people can turn to, to hear more and just to hear more of these stories, more fleshed out, more information. But before I let you go, could you just give us a little bit of insight on, you know, somebody's hearing this and like, okay. I'm going to go for it. So like, how does somebody get started? What do they need to do? Yeah. Well, your grain mill is going to be the number one appliance that you'll ever purchase in your whole life. Um, that's the most important. I love the Wonder Mill. Um, that's the main one we sell. It's the one I've used for 25 years. It's just a workhorse. It's clean. It's easy. Turn it on, pour the grain in, comes out flour, it cleans itself. Um, it's just super, super easy to use. And anyway, so a grain mill is your first place to start. You want to change the health of your family. 
get a grain mill. I love an electric mill. I'm going to use my electric mill as, as long as uh, we have electricity available. So I know some people kind of opt for hand mills, but it they're a little more tedious. And in our busy lifestyle, electric grain mill is number one. Um, hard hard wheat is what you want for yeast breads. Um, hard We do have varieties, hard red and hard white. Red's more flavorful and does seem to have more fiber, a little more cleansing. Um, so if bowel issues are your main issue, then you probably want to focus mostly on hard red. But there's places where I love hard white. Most of my bread, I do a mixture of, actually my favorite mixture right now is hard red, hard white, spelt. Um, I do love the ancient grain, spelt, kamut. Um, we do have einkorn at Breadbeckers, um, which you can get all of these online, breadbeckers.com. But I, I, most of my bread, I just gravitate towards the hard red and the hard white. And like I said, spelt. I love Ezekiel mix. We do sell an Ezekiel mixture of grains and beans, wheat, spelt, barley, millet, lentils, and beans that I use a lot for my muffins, my pancakes, because I am wanting to make sure we get the complete proteins that we need, amino acids that we need. So I, I love that. Um, of course, mixers make it so much do more uh, doable in our busy, busy lifestyle. So um, I do... Uh, I do love a bread machine. There's places for it, though. In my large family, I didn't use the bread machine as much as I did my Ancus Room mixer um, that could mix up dough in five minutes. And, you know, yes, I had to take it out and shape it and let it rise on my counter. But hands-on time was 15, 20 minutes or less. And I could make six loaves of bread at a time and do some filled breads, hamburger buns, whatever. Um, so those are those are great things. Of course, wheat and honey and you know, yeast, the, and we use Redmond real salt. So those are, those are lists of the basic um, items that you need. We do have a video on YouTube called the basic list of getting started items on our Breadbeckers YouTube channel. And um, so that will help most people, but um, really uh, quick breads, muffins, pancakes, you don't need a machine other than your grain mill and a wire whisk in a bowl. So those are easy, easy places to start. Most people can whip up a batch of muffins. You just said you made some muffins, right? Mix them up five minutes. They bake in 15, 20, and in less than 30 minutes, you have real bread on the table. And you know what? Grains can always be boiled and eaten whole. I think we've forgotten that as Americans. Uh, Mediterranean diet, they eat a lot of whole grains, um, boiled and chop up some onions and peppers and put a dash of oil and vinegar, your favorite ones on there. And oh, you've got a delicious whole grain salad. So bread doesn't always have to be a loaf of sliced bread. It can be a bowl of oatmeal. It can be grits and rice and beans and cream of wheat and, you know, a whole boiled grain salad, whatever, whatever you want to make it. So make it fit your lifestyle. But I highly recommend going to our website like you did and looking at some of our YouTube channels. And please go to go watch the Real Bread, the Staff of Life video. I, I know we've been talking a lot and shared a lot of information, but it goes way uh, further than we even were able to get to today because of just my years of studying and just being amazed at God's perfect provision. So, um, and then, hey, check out my uh, podcast, Sue's Healthy Minutes on any podcast um, platform that you listen to, or you can even listen to it on our website, Breadbeckers. But those, are, those should get you started. My cookbook, um, the Essential Homeground Flower Book is great, or we have a little red one that I put together in the early days that we um, 
print out at our store and sell it. It's called the Recipe Collection. So those are those are great places for you to start and just learn and just jump in, just do it. If you know there's a room in your house called a kitchen, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll say um, I got the mill and I ordered einkorn and spelt and then the hard white, I think is what I have. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And just kind of played with a different combination of those. And I already had a bread machine. Um, and, and that's, I mean, it takes literally like 30 seconds to grind yeah. the wheat and then I literally, you know, dump it in the bread machine with the other ingredients bread and machine. three hours later it's done. I mean, it's just, it's yep. my prep part is less than five yep. minutes. Um, yes. So exactly. it is, it is not hard and you know, anyway, we'll put all these links and all these great things in the show notes as well. So people can, um, you know, have it all in one place to find you, but yeah, you can, you can find Sue at, at all her her website, YouTube, um, her podcast, all great stuff. And I do recommend listening to that, the staff of life. I think that's the very first one that, uh, my former client sent to me and was like, check this out. And now here we are. <laughs> here we are. I, and it's just, it's exciting. And it's, you know, most of, I mean, we've been at this now 30, this is our 31 years in business and it's because it, it's real it's not a gimmick. It's not a magic bullet that's going to fix you tomorrow, but it is pretty, pretty amazing. You will poop tomorrow. But anyway, um, you know, that's what I'm afraid so many people are, are looking for is it, a pill or something. But we need to come back to the basics. And this is life changing. And um, how we've been in business 30 years and keep growing and keep going is because it changes people's lives for real. And they they bring a friend and they tell a friend, you know, when your warts go away, 500 of them in two and a half weeks, or your cholesterol drops 100 points in a month, or you just feel better, your irritable bowel and all of that, you have your life back, you're going to tell somebody. So um, I have a, a slogan called spread the bread. Yeah. Tell somebody about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what the real bread of life and the real bread that of life. That is right. <laughs> that is right. That's what we're doing here. Well, we've talked about a lot of... Yeah. Um, uh, Bible verses today, and but I always ask all my guests two things at the very end: their anchor meal and their anchor verse. Just um, to, you know, your your go to healthy meal might know what that is for you, and then your your go to um, scripture verse. So if you could share those things before we go, that'd be great. Yeah, I have shared a lot of verses, and there's several you know that I've I've shared Isaiah 55 verse two, of course. You know, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, but um, my go-to meal. Oh my goodness. Uh, my favorite is, um, well, gosh, I have so many, uh, actually my meals are always based around bread. It's like, I, I tell people I'm a moody eater. So if I want cornbread, well, then I'm going to probably have chili and cornbread, but, uh, if I want biscuits and, you know, I'm going to have breakfast for dinner. So, but I just love, a, a warm slice of bread. Like this morning I had a cup of, um, my hot chocolate that I make with raw cacao and my raw milk and sweetened with honey and a little cayenne pepper and a slice of toasted Ezekiel bread. And that was just warm and satisfying and comforting. And, you know, John 6 35, Jesus says, I am the real bread of life. He, sh who, he who comes to me shall be satisfied. This bread will satisfy you and um, nourish you. And that's what Jesus knew. And the people he was talking to of the day would have known that. 
And um, so I guess that's kind of my favorite meal and one of my favorite verses all wrapped into one. And that is a beautiful way to close down our time together. Sue, thank you so much. This has been um, such a pleasure, such an honor to have you here. And um, I and I really do encourage everybody to go check out Sue's information um, and, you know, try it out for yourself. One thing I will say um, that I thought was so interesting is when I made when I made the bread, I was so I was emotional Um as I, right before I ate it, I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I have been gluten-free for all this time. And it was, it was hard for me to, it was kind of hard for me to do, you know? So I just say that yeah. because, you know, for a lot of us who have been, and that's just part of what we have done for so long, it's different. It's different to do. And so it was, uh, you know, I told my husband, I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> it was, I know. you know, and it, um, yeah. but we have to be open to yeah. these things, open to trying. And, um, and like I said, so far, it's been um, just a real delight for us. It's worked out wonderfully. So yeah. I encourage, um, encourage you to, to give it a try. Um, but thanks again, Sue. Yeah. And thank you, everybody. You are so very yeah. welcome. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you for having um, me. I've really just let me share my heart and yes. my soul and, you know, what God has shown me. And, you know, most people, I think, are battling with health issues. And Exodus 23, 25 says, God says, if you'll obey me, I will bless your bread and I will bless your water, and I will take sickness from the midst of you. That's a powerful promise from God's word. So I pray a blessing on every listener today that God would bless your bread and bless your water and help resolve some of these health issues that you're facing. Thank you, Sue. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon.